Welcome to Preschool and Beyond, a podcast where we tackle some of the most common and the most challenging issues facing preschool-age children and their families. Recording from Discovery Child Development Center is your host, Mike DeLott. Hi, and welcome to episode two of Preschool and Beyond. Today's topic is fostering independence in your child. Right now, I have a two-year-old, and he's in the I-want-to-do-everything-myself phase. He wants to choose what he wears. He'll go into our pantry, and he'll just start pulling out food and trying to create his own meals. And when we get to the car, he doesn't want anyone to put him in his car seat and wants to do his own buckles. And I have two older boys, and they often can be reluctant to do things that I know they know how to do. So today on our show... We're going to talk about ways that you can encourage independence in your children. How much can they do? Should they do on their own? What's too much? To help us with that, today's guest is Courtney Garver. Courtney has been a teacher at Discovery since 2011. She also had prior experience as a preschool teacher, an administrator, and an elementary school teacher. She's also the mother of two middle school girls. So, Courtney, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Happy to be here. So the topic of independence can be a difficult one for many parents who are used to doing things for their children um, since they were babies. So why do you think learning independence is a really important skill to develop during the preschool years? I feel children can learn independence even as babies to some extent, and I feel the earlier that you teach children independence and give them guidance to figure out things For themselves, they develop um, more confidence, they feel proud about their abilities, and then they're able to turn into more successful adults that can figure out things for themselves and solve problems. Definitely. And they're going to be making, these are small choices they're making right now. When they grow up, they're going to have really difficult decisions that they're going to have to make. So I think it's definitely important to start getting that practice. So you've taught three, four, and five-year-olds. So what are some ways you foster independence in your classroom? We, since we have 20 children in the classroom per day, you know, obviously we need to expect them to do some things on their own because there's only two teachers. Um, so what we practice doing in the beginning of the year is having them come in independently at drop-off time and we that we have name tags for them to choose a job for the day and it's their responsibility to remember their job and to um, do their job during the day. For example, if we have a table washer, their job when we're cleaning up from center time and snack time is to wash the tables. We have chair pushers that their responsibility is to push in chairs, and obvious, obviously we remind them if they forget, but soon it becomes a habit where they're remembering their responsibility and carrying it through. Um, I feel like, too, we, if a child is having a problem finding scissors or they are having trouble putting a building set together, instead of swooping in and rescuing them, we give them a chance to to figure it out themselves, even if they start to show frustration, um, you know, you need to give the children a chance to figure it out on their own or give them some guidance rather than doing it for them. I think that's a really important point. It can be hard to see your child struggling and knowing that you could swoop in quickly and get it done for them, save them that pain. But 
in the long run, that struggle is good for them. They're going to be developing new skills. They're not going to be afraid to try new things to take risks in life. Now, that doesn't mean that we want to set them up for failure, trying to give them tasks that we know they can't do, but we also want them to try some new opportunities. Exactly. So let's now take this to the home routine. Uh, Mornings, I know for all of us, are really hectic trying to get yourself out the door, your children out the door. Sometimes we have pets, other things going on in the morning. So what are some ways that we can get your child involved in that morning routine? Um, If you know that it takes your child a little longer to find their jacket or put on their socks, instead of rushing them through and and doing it for them, maybe just wake up a little bit earlier so that you can give them the time to practice some of these skills that should be more independent. Um, One thing I did with my children when they were growing up is after bath time, when they were putting on their pajamas, we would then talk about what they wanted to wear the next morning so that they, that could be laid out. Um, I would, again, get up a couple of minutes early so that they could have the chance to put on their clothing by themselves. Obviously, I would be there to help if they needed help. One thing, socks are hard. I would have, I would put them on partway, like over the toes, and then have them continue to put the sock on until they were proficient with that. And then, you know, we worked on putting the whole sock on by yourself. So you can do things more in small steps, um, but that way your child is is gaining the independence in smaller steps so they can feel confident and not feel as the frustration as if you were to tell them, hey, put on your sock. And obviously that would be a struggle. So give it to them in small steps. Yeah, And I think that's a really great tip to shift some of that to the night before because the mornings are so busy and sometimes you want them to try these new things, to put on their own clothes, to pick out their outfits, but the mornings are just too busy and it's a lot faster to do it yourself and you really don't have time for them to work on getting those shoes laced or putting their foot into their sandal. Right. And even in preschool, we would do in the morning when I was packing the snack for the day, instead of me packing the snack, I would have them. I had baskets in my pantry full of the healthy treats that they could have for their snack. I'd already have strawberries and apples cut up and they could choose what they wanted to bring. They would put it in their snack or lunchbox and zip it up. And then that way, A, they were getting to have a choice. So I knew they would eat it and B, they were doing that independently, practicing with the zipper and the containers. I really love those ideas, and I definitely need to find ways to involve my kids more in the morning routine. In our last episode, we talked about how drop-off can really set the tone for the school day. And I know drop-off routines can really vary by school, but there are good ways to involve kids in that drop-off procedure. Um, I feel like... For the drop-off procedure, you want them to come in happy and ready for school. Um, so let them, you know, get out of the car, put on their own backpack, walk in proud. Um, when it comes time to hang up, most schools will have a hook or some sort of cubby to put their backpacks and their snack basket or boxes. Um, let them try it themselves. If it falls down, which it often does in the beginning of the year, they're not used to the hooks. Let them pick it up and say, oh, why don't you try that again? Great job. Make sure that you're praising, you're giving them 
a chance to figure it out on their own. If it falls off again and they look to you for help, of course, you know, help them pick it up and talk about it. Oh, look, I'm taking the handle and I'm putting it over the large hook where it fits and kind of give them a little bit of direction as you're doing it. And then the next day, let them try again. Those are all great learning opportunities. So I noticed in your classroom, you do have opportunities where children have choices and often choices is a great way to help kids feel empowered. How can parents offer choices at home? And I think the idea can be scary to parents because they don't want to, you know, give up control or they want to be able to maintain their authority. So how can you do it in a way where you still can maintain that respect and authority, but offer your child choices? Um, so if a child's going to make good choices, we as parents and teachers have to give them practice in making them. So making the choice between the red shirt or the blue shirt or which book to read before bed can set a foundation for weighing options and, and living with the result of your choice. So um, sometimes I know with my older children, they have to eat vegetables. So I give them a choice. Would you like to have green beans or peas today? So it's not an option not to have a vegetable, but they get to make the choice of what vegetable they want. When they were little and it was time for going to bed, obviously young children don't really like going to sleep. So I would say, you know, it's time for us to sleep. Do you want the nightlight on or off? Would you like your door open or shut? So they were having a say in how they were going to sleep, but they weren't given a choice not to sleep. So you want the choices to be reasonable and, and something that's going to, you want to happen. Right. Because you, you don't know, always know what they're going to pick. You might think they're going to make a certain choice and they could surprise you. So you definitely want to be prepared and be okay with those choices that you're offering. I think another thing you want to keep in mind is to avoid false choices. You know, if you're saying, if you're giving them the choice and they, pick something you didn't want them to pick, you have to respect that or it's not going to work. And you also, sometimes people think they're giving a choice when it's now, do you want to, do you want to put your shoes on or go up for time out? You know, it might be one thing you need to do it that way to get them into the car, but that's not giving them choice. That's, you know. If you have a daughter like my younger one, she would say, I want the timeout, which obviously is not going to help you get out the door. So you want it to be choices that you can live with. Can you walk us through? So you're trying to teach your child new skills. Let's say they're putting on a jacket, whether that's here in your classroom or how you did it with your girls at home. How do you approach teaching them those new skills and things that you had always done for them before? Um, it sort of depends on what the skill is. I will go through the jacket just because that is something that we typically do in either preschool or in pre-K at Discovery, and I've taught both. Um, I model first, and I show them the silly way to put on a jacket where you – so I model it first in a circle time where they're all kind of watching, and I lay it down on the floor – and show how to put my arms in as the head of the jacket is laying by my feet, and then you flip it. And we make it funny and silly, and the kids all want to try it. So we all get our jackets, and everybody tries it. And there's going to be more than one child that gets it right away. And so we kind of, um, does anyone want to show their friends how they do it? And we let other kids model it, and then soon everybody is um, trying to do it, and 
because it's fun, because we're modeling, because we're giving direction, they're able to pick that up. And they're very, very, very proud to show their friends that they can do it. And oftentimes we'll have a child who knows a different way. And then we'll also show an alternative way, which is great problem solving and, um, you know, creating independency and having a choice of how to put it on. How do you handle the child that's a little more reluctant? They might start to try and then within a few seconds get really frustrated and say it's too hard, start crying. Um, Usually what we do is we acknowledge that they're feeling frustrated. So if you see your child feeling frustrated or sad or any of those other types of feelings that are more negative, I will start by saying, I can see you're feeling frustrated. Um, What can I do to help you? Is there something that I can help you with. And then hopefully they'll start use their words and say, well, I'm having trouble getting my arms in or all. And then I help guide their arms in and have them try it again. And just talk about how things don't come right away and that we all need practice learning new skills and it's okay. And soon, hopefully, you know, they will get it by just being more confident about trying. Right. And those are great, I think, tips because we want kids to... You want to be able to acknowledge their feelings, you know, let them know you understand that they're frustrated. Start giving them those vocabulary so they can say, I feel frustrated or I feel upset and they can explain why. And then we can move from there. And whether it's you telling them using words such as some people find it helpful to do this or that or watching other models. And it's very important not to get frustrated yourself and yes. just do it for them because that's teaching them if they're showing frustration, someone's going to swoop in and help and that's not always going to be the case and you don't want them to expect that. You want them to become independent. Right. And I think one other thing too, if you do, if you are working with them and you realize that this isn't a skill that they're developmentally ready for, you could do a part of the skill. So whether they are lifting the jacket up in the air, as, let's just say, is the first step. We'll work on that step. And then when they're ready to go on to the next step, we'll move on from there. So at least they're gaining confidence. They are practicing new skills. Right. They can put the hands in their jacket and then you can say, okay, now I'm going to help you lift your arms and flip it. So you're doing it together rather than doing it for them. So when your child is making choices, what do you do when you think your child is going to make the wrong choice? For example, you're at the ice cream parlor and they're given the choice of blueberry versus chocolate ice cream and they're really excited to see blue ice cream, but you know they won't like it. You'll end up wasting your money. When should you stop them and when should you let them make bad choices, I guess? I mean, ice cream, you don't want to necessarily waste your money, but because it's not hundred dollars, I probably would go ahead and just tell my child, well, the blue one, it says right here, the blue one is blueberry. You don't usually like blueberries. So you might not like that ice cream. Here's chocolate. Here's vanilla. If they still say, no, no, I want the blue ice cream. I want the blue ice cream. I would probably just get the smallest one available and let them go ahead and taste it rather than have a meltdown over. And then they'll learn, okay, my mom was right. She knew that this was blueberry. It is. I learned my lesson. Now I don't have any ice cream. So I would not, if they decided, ew, gross, I don't like this, I certainly would not go ahead and buy them the chocolate because they made that choice and they have to live with it. That's what we learn as adults. You make a choice, you have to live with it. And the next time, maybe they'll choose chocolate on their own or listen to your helpful hints. 
I think that point you just made is really important that they have to live with that decision, though. It's easy, especially if it's a small ice cream, to run up and end the tantrum. People are looking at you. It's uncomfortable, but they need to know that there are consequences to decisions. And uh, that's why it's so important when it's a minor decision, such as your ice cream flavor. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Courtney. And that brings us now to our final section of our show, the show and tell portion. And for yours today, you have a great tip for us. So my tip of the week going along with this um, teaching your children responsibility and independency is um, choose one thing that your child could do by themselves at home to help the family. For example, maybe your four-year-old's job from now on is to put napkins on the table at dinner time. Um, if you want to increase independency with morning routine, one idea is to create a chart of how to brush your teeth and have picture cards to show them. First, you put your brush under the water. Then you put a scoop of or a little part of toothpaste on it. Then you put, you know, just the steps and that way they can use the picture cues to brush their own teeth. And that's it for today's show. Thank you, Courtney. If you want to learn more about what we talked about today, visit our show page at discoverychilddevelopmentcenter.com slash podcast or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash preschool and beyond. We'll see you next week.